0: Welcome to our 40th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie.
1: And this is Russell.
0: If you notice a little sound difference, Russ and I, along with the rest of the crew, uh, are you practicing social distancing right now in <laughs> Pittsburgh and Russ, where are you at?
1: I'm here in Parsons, Kansas.
0: So we're using Skype. And now that we've figured this out, hopefully we can start doing some uh, interviews with some of the ar- authors and tank personalities that are out there.
1: Yeah, that'll be nice. It's been a long time coming, but I think we're getting closer.
0: Uh, you know, we hate to say this, you know, uh, the government's asked us to, you know, self-isolate and stuff like that, and, uh, of course, I'm retired now and uh, hung out my guns and badge, and so I can pretty much isolate, but uh, Russell, he's still in a patrol car doing his job. Uh, Russell, how is that during this Well, Well,
1: it's, it's different. There's a lot of people that's actually doing what they're supposed to be doing and staying indoors, but... Then again, there's also a lot that's still out and about. It's not supposed to be, but yeah, it's kind of a different time period we're in right now.
0: Now, I noticed a lot of these groups, like the Alcohol Anonymous and, and the Narcotics Anonymous, and some other mental health groups and stuff, have cut back their you know meetings and stuff like that.
1: Have you seen any? Oh, that. I know a lot of it's going online. Um, a lot of them are having a lot of online Zoom meetings and that type of stuff. But other than that, I I really haven't seen much difference.
0: Good, good. You know, that's what I was afraid of, that, you know, everybody would stop going to these meetings and start causing trouble in yeah. the streets again. But yeah. that's a good thing. Now, has, you, has your department been hit up by the coronavirus? Yeah, uh,
1: actually just yesterday. We're recording this on April the 5th, so just yesterday we had a detective that came down with the COVID-19 virus, and it's kind of hitting a little close to home now.
0: Well, we always hate to hear anybody getting that, especially a brother in blue. Russ, what kind of other announcements do we have? Do we have anybody on Facebook we need to holler at? Well, it's been
1: kind of quiet, to be honest with you. Not a lot of people out there to... Give shout outs to, um, haven't heard much out of anybody on Facebook or, or emails. So if anybody's got any questions out there that we can try to answer, I mean, give us a shout.
0: Yeah. So basically what we're saying is since I'm stuck in the house, send us stuff, <laughs> <laughs> send us questions, anything. Yes. Yes.
1: We enjoy your emails and comments and everything. And we really do.
0: We, we really do. Okay. Well, I guess. Do you want to jump to the first point, or do you have uh, anything I, you else?
1: Might as well jump right on into it.
0: Well, the first point we're going to talk about is the Soviet Union, I guess Russian now, the T 90 main battle tank. Uh, it's basically the backbone of the Russian armor right now. And I think the second line that we, or second point that we want to talk about was the Stalin line in World War Two. Yes. Is that yeah, correct? I believe so. Okay, let's get started on the first point. The T 90 is a third generation. Russian battle tank that entered service in 1993, same time as my daughter was born. <laughs> the tank is a modern variation of the T72B and it incorporates many features found on the T80U, uh, usually called the the T72BU, but later named later renamed the T90. It is a an advanced tank in service with the Russian ground forces, and the naval infantry. Naval (laughs) infantry. But but I learned to walk on water. But uh, no, a lot of, of, I guess we would call our naval infantry the Marines, I guess. It has the gunner's thermal sight. Standard protective measures include a blend of steel and composite armor. It's got explosive reactor, uh, reactive armor. Uh, smoke grenade dischargers and the uh, infrared ATGM jamming system. But, uh, you know, Russell, when it comes to the real stuff, why don't you give us some details?
1: The T-90 has its origins in a Soviet-era program aimed at developing a singular replacement for the T-64, the T-72, and the T-80 series of main battle tanks. The T-72 platform was selected as the basis for the new generation of tank, owing to its cost-effectiveness, simplicity, and automotive qualities. The Kartsev-Venediktov Design Bureau from nizhny Tagil was responsible for the design work and prepared two parallel proposals. The Object 188, which was a relatively simple upgrade of the existing T-72B tank, are also known as the Object 184 and the far more advanced Object 187, only vaguely related to the T-72 series and incorporating major improvements to the hull and turret design, armor, power plant, and armament. Development work was approved in 1986, and the first prototypes were completed by 1988. The vehicles resulting from the Object 187 program have not been declassified to this date, but it was the lower risk Object One Eighty Eight upgrade that would be approved for series production as the T Seventy Two Bu. Yeah,
0: see, I'm trying to give you all the really hard <laughs> Russian names, you, As you, because you, you know I am terrible at you know trying to say German, Russian, uh, English. <laughs> But the T 72BU was officially accepted into the service on uh, October 5th, 1992, by the Russian Ministry of Defense, and simultaneously renamed as the T 90 for marketing and propaganda purposes, aimed at distancing the new type uh, from the existing T 72 variants. The principal upgrade in the T 90 is the incorporation of a slightly modified form. Of the T80U's uh, more sophisticated 1A45T fire control system and an upgraded uh, V84MS multi fueled uh, engine developing uh, about 830 horsepower, I think it is. The T90 was manufactured at the Zod factory in Tagil. Uh, with low-level production being carried out since 1993, and virtually ceasing towards the end of the 1990s for the native market. Less than 200 T-90 tanks were delivered to the Russian ground forces before production was resumed in 2005 of an upgraded version. So, Russell, tell us about the combat history of this thing.
1: An early variant of the export-oriented T-90s, allegedly saw combat action during the 1999 Chechen invasion of Dagestan instead of being delivered to India. According to Moscow defense brief, one vehicle was hit by seven RPG anti-tank rockets but remained in action. The journal concluded that with regular equipment, the upgraded T-90 seems to be the best protected Russian tank especially with the implementation of Shatura one and arena defensive systems.
0: You know, what, what I found weird about reading into the combat history of this thing, they said, you know, they sent the tank into Chechnya and it got hit seven times with an RPG. Remained in action. But these RPGs were leftover Soviet-type RPGs. I don't think it would last very long against one of our... Uh, Uh, Probably not. You know, the RPG is kind of a shoot and scoot type of thing, but, you know, our tow missiles, you know, they're wire-guided and they they know how to hit.
1: During the Donbass War in Ukraine in the summer of 2014, elements of the Russian 136 Guards Motor Rifle Brigade, equipped with T-90A tanks conducting operations in Luhansk Oblast of Ukraine, were identified in social media posts and locations of their photographs geo-referenced by open-source investigators.
0: They were driving around in these T-90s when they invaded uh, Ukraine, and the guys were using their cell phones and putting it on Facebook and stuff. And, of course, our intelligent people were like, gee, thanks.
1: (laughs) The T-90A was deployed to Syria in 2015 to support the Russian involvement in the Syrian civil war. In early February 2016, Syrian army forces began using T-90A's in combat. In late February, a video was leaked on the internet which showed a T-90 survive a direct frontal turret hit by a TOW-2A missile in Aleppo. In November
0: 2017, uh-oh, I was just going to mention that I was just talking about TOW missile being able to hit it. It got hit by a TOW TA in the front of a turret and yeah, survived. Yeah. Okay, maybe uh, I yeah. was wrong.
1: Man. Well, I don't know.
0: This T-90 is probably tougher <laughs> than I think. I'm sorry, Russell. In
1: November 2017, it was reported a T-90 had been destroyed by ISIS terrorists in Syria.
0: You, you know what? That's pretty interesting. Okay, you, you know, the ISIS people always put out a bunch of you know propaganda and stuff like that. I, if they destroyed one, exactly. I'd like to see it. They they take pictures and video of everything else, but yeah, I don't know. If if it takes RPG hits and it takes a tow missile hit, I just don't think these ISIS guys, especially if they killed one, they'd have all sorts yeah. of video on that. But it's pretty interesting. Okay, Russ, let's get to my favorite part, the stats.
1: The the yeah. unit cost was approximately two hundred and five million US dollars in nineteen ninety nine. One of the least expensive modern tanks out there. Uh, number built. They built about 3,200 plus of these. They weigh about 46 tons. Has a gun length of 9.63 meters. They are 3.78 meters wide or 12 foot 5 inches wide. 2.22 meters high or 7 foot 3 inches high. They do have a crew of three. The armor is steel composite reactive blend. Uh, the main armament is a 2A46M, 125 millimeter smoothbore gun, and they carry about 43 rounds with them. Secondary armament is a 12.7 millimeter cord heavy machine gun, which is 7.62 millimeter. The engine is a V84MS, 12 cylinder diesel engine. Cranks out about 840 horsepower. It has a power to weight ratio of 18.2 horsepower per ton. And its suspension is a torsion bar its suspension. And it has an operational range of about 550 kilometers or 340 miles without fuel drums. And it has a speed of about 60 kilometers per hour or 37 miles per hour.
0: Well, Russ, one of the things that you talked about in the stats is this thing costs $2.5 million. And if I remember right, the M1 Abrams is almost $9 million, 8.9 or something like It's almost $9 million wow. with all the bells and whistles. You know, this T-90 tank is going into combat, you're getting hit with missiles, you know, and, and doing its job. You know, if you're, I hate using third world country, or if you're a country with a tight budget, I'm, I'd be looking at the yeah. T-90. Uh, I mean, basically, if, at $9 million, you can afford, what, three of those tanks before you get one exactly. Ab- Abrams? Yeah. yeah, you could almost get four. Yeah, four all decked out compared to one. But, you know, with the M1 Abrams tech, you know, it would just, I mean, I'm pretty sure we'd see the same thing that we saw in other, you know, battles like Iraq that, you know, they just burn these yeah. tanks down. But if you're, if you're just using it for, you know, combat, that anybody besides the United States, this is probably a pretty good tank. Oh,
1: I agree. Yeah, I think it would be.
0: Well, let's get into the second point, Russell. You were going to tell us a little bit about the Soviet line or Stalin line. I apologize.
1: Yeah, the Stalin line in World War II was a line of fortifications along the western border of the Soviet Union. Work began on the system in the 1920s to protect the USSR against attacks from the West. The line was made up of concrete bunkers and gun emplacements, somewhat similar to, but less elaborate, than the manganot Line. It was not a continuous line of defense along the entire border, but rather a network of fortified districts meant to channel potential invaders along certain corridors. In the aftermath of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, with the westward expansion of the USSR in 1939 and 1940 into Poland, the Baltic, and Bessarabia the decision was made to abandon the line in favor of constructing the Molotov line further west along the new border of the USSR. A number of Soviet generals felt that it would be better to keep both lines and to have a defense in depth, but this conflicted with the pre-World War II Soviet military doctrine.
0: Well, you got to remember, they also have to re- report to, you know, uh, Comrade Stalin, you know, and he had a, and around that time, he was killing generals left and right. He was purging them and, or sending them off to, you know, Siberia. They're like, eh, we we might want to keep, you know, both. And he was like, no, we only need one. And now you're shot. So they probably didn't push real hard on it. They probably should have though.
1: Yeah. Thus the guns were removed but were mostly in storage as the new line began construction. The 1941 Axis invasion caught the Soviets with the new line unfinished and the Stalin line largely abandoned and in disrepair. Neither was thus of much use in stopping the onslaught though parts of the Stalin line were manned in time and contributed to the defense of the USSR. See,
0: it was kind of like when I bring this up, you know, when Patton was heading towards the Maganot line you were talking about, uh, or I forget what the German construction site was. What was that? Siegfried? Siegfried line? And uh, let's be honest. You know, Patton said that... uh, Defenses like that were great, you know, in the medieval times, but had no use in modern warfare. And any, even if the USSR had, you know, placed trenches and everything else against that, you know, with the Germans' uh, blitzkrieg at the time, they'd have punched a hole through it and just went yeah, past them. True. You know, I think these lines and everything, but maybe if he, He did what his generals had told him to and manned both of them, you know, and keep them all loaded up. Maybe it would have helped a little bit more. I'm sorry, Russ, go ahead.
1: Following World War II, the line was not maintained in part due to its wide dispersal across the USSR. Unlike Western Europe, where similar fortifications were demolished for development and safety reasons, much of the line survived beyond the breakup of the USSR in 1991, due to being ignored. Today, the remains of the Stalin line fortifications are located in Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine, plus possibly the eastern parts of Moldova.
0: Yeah, you know, and that just goes to prove, you know, how expensive it is to take all these down. It was expensive to build, and it really didn't work, Um, and then... Basically, at the end, they were like, "It's going to be too expensive to tear all this stuff down and reclaim." So, uh, do did the United States ever build any fortifications that you can think of? Oh wow! I mean, I mean, I mean, we we talk about the old forts and stuff. Yeah, you know, Revolutionary War and stuff like that. Way back, but I I don't think we've ever built a line or anything like that. (laughs) We're trying to build (laughs) fence. Yeah. we're not trying to get political. Yeah. We're saying currently what they're trying to do. <laughs> they should use that money to figure out how they're going to cure this oh, stupid I virus. Know. Well, Russ, I know it's been a great show. It was pretty, pretty interesting stuff on the T90. We hit on so many different things, the Chechnya battles, the Syria thing. Um like we keep telling people, this is we just shoot this out there to make you more in- interested. And you should look up your own facts.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, we're here to pique your interest a little bit about some of these topics. And, and that's the other thing, too. If there's topics out there you want us to talk about and, and look into and shoot us a comment.
0: Heck, we're even looking for ideas for, you know, new episodes and what tanks we can do. Well, Russ, like I said, it's been a pretty good show. Um, we have to do our Patreon shoutouts. Who do we have?
1: Well, at the eight dollar a month level, we've still got Alejandro Martinez. Thank you, Alejandro, and Born Ben and Kevin Chin. At the five dollar a month level, we've got Christy McCarty, Rick Schmidt, and two dollar a month level, we've got ODS Thero and Andy Crow. I mean, it it means a lot, guys, that you guys are still supporting us, and thanks for hanging in there with us. And, Especially, oh through yeah, exactly. Time.
0: Uh, we know that people are heard for money and stuff like that. And, and for you guys to reach in your wallets and hand us money so we can keep the show going means, oh, means yes. a lot because we know some of you guys aren't yes, working. Exactly.
1: Also a shout out to Rick, Smith. Uh, Schmidt, I believe his birthday's coming up. I seen the other day on Facebook and want to shout out to, for him to have a good birthday.
0: Yeah. Stay away from the virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay he keeps calling me Artie scrub (laughs) uh but we appreciate everybody and uh want you to be safe uh self-quarantine and uh we'll try you know keeping the show rolling out as much as we can well i guess this is the closing this is charlie
1: and this is russell as always happy tanking and have a great week